Bless you. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here. Uh, for those who don't know, we are going on a bit of a journey at the moment. Uh, we've been thinking of what it means to build. And I, myself, now have got up a bit of a test of the different things we've looked at. But the first thing we thought about, how do we build love? How do we build a love to the community around? And we talked about what that meant. Like, what that meant. James then came and preached on what it means to build up our younger people, to give them a place, a purpose, a knowledge of God's love, how we get alongside them. Uh, then after that is how do we build up other than, I, we call it older generation, but other than uh, young people. So much focus on young people, but what gifts and skills do we have in so many different generations within our own church building? Then the week after that, Michelle Hayway spoke, and she spoke on how we build space. How do we build space in our lives for God? We're so busy. How do we build space? And this week, I think I've got them all. This week, we're thinking about how do we build ourselves an ability to talk about Christ. You know, as many times when we, we come to church and, and the challenge or the, 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 the preacher sits there and says, you know, well, we could do this this week and this this week. But very fundamental to our very being is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Do we believe it's good news? Yes. yes. Thank you. That is a great start. I want to show you a little video now. Um, it's about four or five minutes long, and I love it. It was done by Rem Collective, which is the uh, band we're going to be singing that song a little bit later. But it asks that question, is it good news? Paul, let's uh, see if we can play that video. What do you think when you hear the word gospel? Do you imagine a monk praying or a saint walking around with a halo over his head? Or do you imagine that family who live in your street who never smoke, drink or swear on how annoying it is when their lawn is always perfect and their children look like tiny angels who floated down from the golden streets on high? Well, it actually doesn't mean any of that. We looked it up. The word gospel just means good news. It's not a religious concept reserved for holy people. It's just fantastic news for absolutely everyone. No exceptions. Good news for broken people and those who have been abused by life, that no one is beyond repair. Good news for the outcasts and the ones who don't fit in, that there are no outsiders to the love of God. Good news for the ones who are burned out on church and hurt by religion, that Jesus is a person in love with you, not an institution that makes mistakes. Good news for the ones who find prayer boring, the Bible difficult, and just aren't very spiritual, because grace is much bigger than that. Good news for those who have everything they want but still feel empty. Because satisfaction and joy doesn't come from cash or a nice house or a big fancy car. It comes from knowing why you were made and the one who made you. So, now for the awkward question. If we have such unbelievably good news for absolutely everyone, how come people aren't lining up to hear it? How come people roll their eyes and keep walking when they hear street preachers yelling it at the top of their lungs? How come the local gospel mission isn't bursting at the seams like the Apple Store at Christmas time? I think we're maybe telling it wrong. You see, Christians aren't perfect. I'm sure you figured that out by now. As a wise man once told us, if a Christian gets disconnected from Christ, you're just left with Ian. And this guy, Ian, can be a real nasty chap. He's proud, mean, and more interested in the rules than people. 
Ian makes it sound like the gospel is only good news for people who are just like him and don't challenge any of his assumptions. Ian used the gospel to put himself on a pedestal so he can point out other people's flaws from up there and feel better about himself. At his worst, Ian tried to twist the promises of the gospel to prey on the vulnerable and to take their hard-earned money. And Ian even had the audacity to turn the gospel into campaign slogans and political propaganda to gain power for himself. We need to wrestle the gospel back off Ian and make it sound like good news again. Because if it doesn't sound like good news, it isn't the gospel and it isn't Jesus. You see, if religion doesn't lead you to Jesus, then it's a train you don't ever want to get on. It's just not enough on its own. We need to reclaim some of the amazing things that Ian has hijacked and make them gospel again. Things like the word evangelical. Now, don't be scared. This word is not political ammunition. It's not a pre-warning of an impending seals pitch. It just means carrier of good news. Isn't that beautiful? We don't have to peddle a religious product or bang the drum of any political party. We just carry good news without agenda. You see, here's the human problem. We are all aching for real, meaningful, joyful life. But let's be honest, none of us have found it on our own. Life is not some philosophical idea that's always out of reach. It's a person, and he is reaching out to us. You may have heard the saying that the world will never understand the good news until they understand the bad news. But in a world so filled with bad news, fake news, tragic news, I just don't know if that's true anymore. I don't know if they can hear it. It's not that we don't believe in the problem of sin and the brokenness of humanity, but friends, we have a way better story to tell. We have a cross, we have a resurrection, we have a coming king, we have a rescuer and a savior who can put all things right. We are telling the story that Jesus is and always will be the real good news. That idea might be too simple for some or too naive for others, but that's the amazing truth. That's the gospel for absolutely everyone, including Ian. Yay! And that's good news worth sharing. Great little film, isn't it? Good news worth sharing. Paul, could I have the PowerPoint up, please? And if you could click on the live slide and then I should be able to control it. Good news worth sharing. So the question I suppose then comes back to that we could ask is, how? How do we share that good news? We've got a story to tell. We've got a message to proclaim to the world that we shouldn't hide away. Now, I've told several people this week, and sometimes, let's just take an example, Facebook. You know, we're happy to share the things that uh, we know won't kind of upset anybody. But when it comes to the Christian things, to offer one little suggestion. We've had these for some time now at the church. They're great little cards that help tell the Christian story. And they've been hiding a little bit in my office, not for any particular reason, but I was fed up with them being in my office. I'd rather they were in your handbags, in your wallets, in your pockets, ready to give to people. They're the four points. 
times. And I'm just going to go through these four points very simply because it's a response to what Michelle read to us today. Go and share the good news. That's what we are called to do. So, let's see if this works. It does work. Fantastic. The number one is to know that God loves you. There are so many times when we've seen people uh, talking about Christian faith, they start with the bad news, don't they? You're a sinner. You've got to repent. Turn away. And yes, as this slide goes on to say, there are times when we need to recognise our sin. But we need to know first and foremost that the Saviour of the world, the Creator of the world, the one who called day and night to be, the one who created you, loves you. And people in this world need to know God's love. They don't need to know the love of another human being who can let them down. They need to know God's love. You need to show them God's love. You need to show them in the way that we are with one another, the way that we, we communicate to the world around. That God is a God of love. You know, when we think of our Christmas story, God sent Jesus down as a baby. And when people look at babies, it's usually like, oh, this is a really lovely baby. That lovely moment. I remember my nephew when he was born, they were once on the same boy, he's a lovely baby, isn't he? I've never let him get that far. <laughs> but there's something in God sending Jesus as a baby. We see the beauty, the love that says, this is my child, this is my fragile, newborn child. the story of what happened. But that's love, isn't it? And this world needs to know that that same God who sent Jesus loves them still. The people who are out protesting this week, they need to know God's love. The people who weren't protesting, they need to know God's love. The leaders of this world need to know God's love. The people of Soltash, I was amazed this week, I was on a, a Facebook group and a chat where we were saying, what can we improve about Soltash? They need to know God's love. That actually any improvements they make, yes, might be lovely. But the real improvement this community, this town needs to know, is God's love in their lives. And how is that going to happen? Is it going to happen by a thunderbolt in the sky? Is it going to happen by leaflets being dropped through the door? No. It's only going to happen if you and I tell people of God's love. We need to know God's love. The second thing, this little booklet you can take, uh, says, is that very thing that some people want to start with. But to recognise, and, and yes, I've been criticised many times in this church that we don't say sorry enough, we don't say that we've done wrong enough, and I accept that. But as part of our faith together, we need to recognise that I have sinned. That I've done things wrong. I was spoken before that sin is, don't think of it as a conceptual thing, 
but something that gets in the very way of our relationship with God. I have sinned. So often, it's not I have sinned, but it's you have sinned. Because we like to point out everybody else's wrongdoing. They did this. They did that. Do you know the point of the personal relationship with Christ is not to point out other people's mistakes, other people's sins. But it's to recognise where in our own lives there are things blocking us from a true and right relationship with God. You know, I love that moment in the, in the New Testament where Jesus with his friends at the Last Supper, uh, Judas, some, some translations of the disciples in Matthews, it says, Judas says, Surely not I, God, I'm not the one who sinned. <laughs> Tim spoke about sinning today. Surely not I, but I am Ian. I am the one who that does not count for. The part of accepting God's love is accepting that we've done things wrong. We don't need someone to stand at the front of church on Sunday for us to know that. We don't. We know day by day in our lives there are things that get in the way of our relationship when we go and tell the good news of people, we need to say, do not worry because the next because Jesus died for me. Jesus died for me. It's amazing love. It's an amazing thing in which this world has to get their head around that Jesus was here for each one of us. You know that parable, well not a parable, the story in the New Testament where friends take their uh, ill friend on, a, on a, um, a sheet and they lower through a roof. Now this friend had to accept that, that he couldn't do it and therefore his friends had to do it on his behalf. And part of accepting that Jesus died for you is having to say that we cannot do it on our own. We need Jesus, our friend, to carry us, to lift us, to put us in a place of glory and of grace. Now, some of you might think, Tim, you're teaching me to hate this morning. That may be so, but we all need a reminder. A reminder of the story, the good news we need to share to the world around us. But Jesus died for me. I wonder if you Friends who any of the groups you're involved in, your friends. And I wonder what they think of that understanding of Jesus died for me. Well, Jesus was a good man. He was a prophet, the greatest prophet. Jesus, Jesus was a, a, a good teacher. Jesus was a, a moral student, and we should follow his morality. That's completely missing the point. The point is, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Saviour of the world. And this world needs to know it. We need to be the conveyors of this message that Jesus died for me. And then lastly, I need to decide to live for God. Now all the others 
sins and Jesus died for me. As a Christian, they're quite easy. But this one, we need to work out day by day by day. When Jesus gave the great commission, go and spread the good news. It's not a once for all decision. Day by day, we need to be purposeful and active to make that happen. I need time to live for God. Yes, people need to make that decision in their lives. They need to accept Christ as their Savior. We need to be the ones who, who share that message. But we too, day by day, need to decide to live for God. Now we can be the backseat Christians if we want to. Just letting everybody else do everything and we'll get on with it. And we'll just, you know, we'll just go along for the ride. Or we can be those that say, no, my faith demands an action. I need to be active in how I, I tell others of God's message of love, forgiveness, and redemption. <coughs> we too have a choice day by day to make. And that's why I put my, some of my sashes these on the covers of the table right there. Because how good it would be if we could take some of these just be praying about who can we share this very simple message with. It's a very simple but earth-shattering message. And why do we do it? Because of the reading that we have today. Go. Let's say simply backside. Go. Share the good news. Go baptize them. Go help them know that God loves them. That's a very being for us to be here. Not to just be content with what we have, but to be challenged that God asks us to go and to share the good news of Christ. Let's not be like Ian's that use the good news to bash people over the head with my nose. But let's not be in somewhere in the middle that says it's bad what Ian does. Awesome. Now, the next few months here at church, Alpha starts on the 11th of September. There are invites for you to take and to invite people all to Alpha. An introduction to the Christian message, an introduction to the hope that Christ brings. Now, this has not been a normal sermon. But friends, we can't be content with just sitting down and letting other people do the work. We can't just be content with going, well, there'll be some people who go and give the good news of Jesus Christ. I'll just be quiet. There's, there's no room for being quiet in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no room for just sitting down and letting others get on with it. God, Christ, calls us to action. Now you might go and share that good news and it might fall to slowly ground and no one will understand it and no one will hear it. That's fine. Don't think we're in a results business here. That all of a sudden, yes, I gave out three cards this week and two people came to Christ. It's not about that. It's about challenging people, sharing the gospel, the good news.
being evangelical, not in the way in which we might have understood it before, but in the way that Peter says it, the carrier of good news. We in ourselves are not the good news, but we are the carrier of good news. So friends, I want this week for you to take some of that stuff on the table. And just to find, that, to find ways in this week, we're going to pray for it. Find ways in this week that we can be the carrier of good news for someone. It might not be appropriate to give them one of those leaflets or an outward invite. That's fine. That's just one way. There are many opportunities that God gives us day by day, hour by hour, to share the good news. Maybe our prayer is that God will open our eyes and help us to see the opportunities. I'm going to pray the prayer that's on the back of this uh, this, this uh, prayer, this, this leaflet. And hopefully that may be just, we need to once again recommit ourselves to what God is doing in our lives. Let me pray. Dear God, thank you that you love me and that you have a good plan and purpose for my life. I'm sorry for ignoring you and doing things my way. I realise now that my sin has hurt you and the people around me, and for this I am truly sorry. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave your life for me and took the punishment for my sin. Please forgive me and help me now by the power of your Holy Spirit as I decide to live only for you. Amen. Paul's not here this week, but